Welcome to the Bethesda Christian Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit yourbcc.org or download our mobile app from the App Store. Good morning. What a great morning to see someone resurrected, made new. I always love baptisms. And our brother Eric, who uh, wanted to be baptized and reached out, and he was on his way today. And you know, sometimes things get in your way. He had a flat tire and called, and because uh, we, we were wondering, is he going to be here? But you know, those things, sometimes the enemy tries to get in front of what is happening. And you know what? We're not going to have any of it. We, I was so blessed to see him here. Yeah. He's made new, made new. And you could see that when he came up. Yes, it was so good. This morning, uh, I want to, uh, before I begin, give you a little reminder about our, um, our missions program. Last month was our missions month, and I know that all of you received one of these uh, faith promise brochures, and I just want to encourage you to fill it out. I want you to really think and pray. If you haven't done that, I believe we're uh, just a little bit over halfway where we were uh, last year, and we want to be able to bless the ministries that we support and the missions. They do a great, great work, and we want to be able to bless them next year. And I want to give you just a little encouragement on uh, giving. I have just a, a little anecdote I want to share with you. About, I will say, five years ago, maybe more, six or so, uh, I received a, a letter from someone. It's a, a lady that's shut in. She lives uh, a few hours north of here, and she wanted a catechism book. So I sent her one, and that began a little correspondence. She loved it. She said, hey, this is really nice. And one day I received a money order, and she said, I would like two more. And in her note, she said, you know, I'm in this uh, facility, and I want to teach people what's in this book, and I want to teach them about the Lord, and could you send me two more books? So I sent her two. She had sent this money order. And then uh, I, rest- I started receiving notes and letters. And so occasionally I would write back. But these notes would often include on page 62, there's a mistake. And she would point out the best things, a comma missing. And I want our material to be the best that it possibly can be. So I wrote back, thank you. Thank you for helping out. And then I started receiving notes that would have a dollar in them. One dollar. And this woman would say, I'm giving as much as I possibly can. Please consider this my tithe. And sometimes it was coins. And I would write it down and note it and turn it in. And when that happened, that first time I remember, I just took the the envelope and said, Lord, please bless this, bless this woman. 
She is giving. With what little meager she has, she is giving back, not only in her service to help us, but she's now starting to give monetarily. Well, we continue to correspondence. I just want to show you this. I save things. I'm a pack rat. Uh, I, I save things. Now, Julie's down here laughing. She knows I save things. This is one of the files. If this were at home, she'd be telling me, you need to clean out. Well, these are some of the, the letters that I received from letters, cards that I received from this lady. And I, I can't write this much back, but I tried to write back and and say, I'm praying for you. And one time she said, boy, I want to be so badly at a church that could anoint me with oil. So I just anointed one, uh, a little piece of cloth. I put oil on it, prayed over it, sent it to her, said, hey, I can't be there, but maybe you could use this and pray. And she just continued to work and, and give. This was all the things from our catechism book. She would photocopy, highlight a lot of it's handwritten. She would actually handwrite it out, highlight things. So blessed. And then something started happening. Here is, this is from 2014, this one, and I marked it down. Two dollars. She doubled. And uh, you know, I don't get choked up too much, but I think this brought me to tears. And I thought, wow, Lord, this this person doubled what they had. And again, I just try to say a little prayer over it and continue to just say, Lord, bless her. Earlier this year, I received a, a, a letter, $5. And I'll tell you what, I was blown away because I know that no income in a facility, can't get out. While we were away this past couple of weeks, I've got one here. It's 10th of October, this dated a little card, and and it says things like, I'm so blessed. Isn't God good? From a person who's been shut in for years. I wrote it down, $10. $10. She's so blessed, she says. You can't outgive God. Years ago, started with coins in an envelope. And I don't know how she's saving, how she gets it, but I just say, Lord, continue to bless, continue to bless her. What a heart. I just I think of the widow who gave everything. And picture that lady. So I want you to be encouraged. I don't know if you can take it up 10 times like this lady did, but you cannot outgive God. I, although this woman uh, can't be at our church, uh, she is shut in, she really can't get to any church, and uh, family doesn't come to see her much, I consider her one of our own. She actually went through all of the uh, catechism homework and mailed it in. I, I have that here too. She, I have every, every sheet that she did. And 
um, copious notes on all of the study sheets, front and back. I mailed her a certificate of completion. I said, I wish we could confirm you. And uh, she was so blessed by that. I consider her one of our own. She's one of the body. Do you know that unity can manifest itself in many ways, in many forms? Connections can come very subtly. They can come through, through letters. They can come through handwritten notes and bind us together and unite us. She's part of the church, and it's what I expressed last week from Paul's letter to the Ephesians, and I want to reiterate that to us this morning. I want to rehearse that once again and read those same four verses from Ephesians chapter 4 about unity, where Paul wrote this, there is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. We, we talked last week about uh, envisioning a church that is united, a church that is one, having that vision of one. We had Psalm 24 as our backdrop, the generational idea. Let's be a generation that seeks God's face, one generation. Then that passage from Ephesians ties it together, one body, united by one spirit, having one hope with one faith in one Lord, who's our founder, who is the head of the body, Jesus Christ. And of course, we've talked about eliminating whatever could be in our way from that unity, whatever could hinder our vision of being together, any wall, any barrier, any hindrance, down. Why? Because it makes us better equipped. You can see things. You can have the vision when, you're, when your eyes aren't covered by what's in front of you. And with nothing in our way, I trust we can all see that vision of a church unified, and then we can experience it. We can be part of a conduit of access for anybody, for any and all who need the saving gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God who died on a cross to save us from our sins. We can be a part of that, welcoming others to be part of his body, the growing body of Christ, the body of Christ, which is one body, although united in many different ways. Connections is simple, just as simple as what I shared with you. The writing of a, a, a note, uh, putting down something on a card. I've got another example there was a family here many years, the Eunices. Richard and Anna were a part of our church. Anna was a teacher in Sunday school. They were faithful people. They attended every single prayer meeting. If I could say anything about Richard and Anna, they were people of prayer. Uh, I met them actually at one of our prayer meetings years ago and often prayed with them when I was uh, attending the 
prayer meeting where they were uh, also attending, and uh, they were getting advanced in years, and Anna passed away, and uh, Richard, it was hard for him to live alone. So his daughter had to take him in, and I, I didn't see him as much as I uh, had seen him in the past. And then one day it just seemed like he disappeared. And I didn't know what occurred. And time, a good deal of time went on, months. And one day I got a phone call. And it was Richard. And he said, you know, I had to move in with my daughter. I said, yes. And he said, I'm in Texas. She had to move because of a job. And I think his son-in-law was a job. So he said, I'm living in Texas. Can I call you? I said, absolutely, you can call me. And so he would call me every Tuesday. And we would talk for maybe 10 minutes. He didn't want to talk long, but just keep the connection. And he said, could you send me the bulletins? Could you send me, back then we had the heartbeat of Bethesda, now we've got the, uh, your story, the newspaper. But he said, could you send me the things about the church? I, I want to know because I still consider it my place and my home. And I said, absolutely. So we put him on the mailing list. But he also wanted to pray. So we would pray on the phone. And one day, uh, we were talking, and I, I said, Richard, you're in Texas, and I'm here in Michigan. But you know, God sees us both. God's not constrained by distance or time, he sees us both right now when we're praying. And Richard says, Patrick, in prayer, there is no distance between us. So we shortened that. We shortened that, and it was our, uh, uh, one of the things we would just say when he called, there's no distance in prayer. So we'd say that often. There's no distance in prayer, and we would pray. And as the Lord would have it, uh, Richard was able to move back to Michigan with his family. He moved into the Brighton area, so I was able to uh, actually see him face-to-face -face a couple times uh, before he passed, too. And I was blessed to be able to uh, be part of his funeral and his burial uh, at, up in Holly at the beautiful uh, Veterans Cemetery. It was uh, just a, a great send-off, and I'll never forget there is no distance in prayer. And we were connected by that. It, it was part of our unity in the body of Christ. Again, a person who had to disconnect from the church body, but was part of it and stayed connected. Unity can manifest itself in many forms, whether it's coming together as a group like we are this morning, and that's important, and we should not forsake the gathering together as a, a group, as a united body, or subtler ways, whether it's extending a hand, whether it's writing a note, whether it's praying for somebody on the phone, or using technology, the great technology that we have at our fingertips, all the social media technology. You can use it for really bad things. We could also use it for the glory of God and to stay connected as part of his body. And all of it can express a union, can it? Where there's this common bond, then the common bond is Jesus. Jesus Christ. And it's his desire. It's the desire of Jesus 
It's the desire of Jesus Christ that the church be united. Now, I always want to be careful when I say things like that. This is Jesus' desire. Or this is God's desire. I hear it all too often. God desires that I should have a certain house and it should be a certain size. Or God desires that I should be driving a certain car. And God desires that my paycheck be a certain size and my wallet be fatter than others. I, I've heard that, that God desires I should have perfect health and etc. And sometimes I wonder how some conclude what God desires. But I say to you this morning, it's the desire of Jesus that his church be united. And I don't say it flippantly, and I don't say it without backing it up. I want to back it up with the Word of God. And that's what I intend to do this morning. I say it's his desire because Jesus prayed a prayer, and at the heart of his prayer, the night before he was arrested, the night before he was crucified, Jesus prayed a prayer. It's part of the recorded word of God, and I want to share it with you because the heart of that prayer gives the desire of Jesus. It's in John chapter 17. John chapter 17, and I want to read part of verse 11 and then verses 20 through 23. The whole of John 17 is a prayer of Jesus. He's praying his heart. I mean, think about it. If you were going to die and you knew it, wouldn't the things that you cared most about be on the forefront of your mind and what you would be praying for? So here is John 17, uh, verse 11, and then verses 20 through 23. Jesus praying. He says, Holy Father, protect them, his disciples. Protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Now this prayer that Jesus prayed, remember it was on the evening of his last supper. He had just concluded his final meal with his closest companions, his closest followers. And then he was going to be falsely accused. He was going to be tried. He was going to be convicted for crimes he did not commit. He was going to be executed on a cross. He's going to spill his blood as the final, perfect, complete sacrifice, the Lamb of God who we sung about this morning, the Lamb, perfect sacrifice for sin. No more sacrifice was necessary. Jesus did that. He gave his life willingly for you and for me. Knowing it was coming, Jesus prayed. 
He prayed, and in the heart of his prayer is what I call step one. Step one to bringing others into the kingdom of God. And what is step one of advancing the gospel? Now, you might say, well, step one is sharing my story. Or or it's presenting the word of God, telling someone else the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's step one. Or it's doing a good work. It's doing a good work so I can make a way into someone's life. Or maybe step one is just meeting them to begin a relationship, to get a name and start a relationship so then later I can share the gospel. And you know what? All of that is absolutely necessary. All of that is absolutely part of bringing the gospel to someone who's lost and in the dark and showing that person that they need eternity. They need the eternity that's only offered through Jesus Christ. But in his prayer, but in his prayer, Jesus presented a vision for the church and he presented, again, what I say is the first step in growing his church when he expressed to God his father, the desire he had for his people. And it wasn't, Father, may they tell a story or do a good work or build a relationship. And again, all of that's important. All of it are things we've talked about. All of that is things that we consider critical. But I say they're just not the first step. I don't want to discount any of those things. We do need to build relationships. We do need to tell our story. We do need to share the gospel. But Jesus prayed, step one is that we are one. Holy Father, Jesus prayed, protect them that by the power of your name, the name that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. As much as Jesus and God the Father are one. Doesn't that express the desire on Jesus' heart? And it wasn't just for uh, those that were right there and then. It wasn't just for his followers that were dedicated to him that night. No. He said, Father, my prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who believe in me through their message. I consider myself one who has believed through their message, the message that they started thousands of years ago. I believe that I am one who has come because of that. I've come to the the saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ because those disciples were the ones who started the church and they kept it going and they laid foundations. I'm so glad there is no distance in prayer that Jesus prayed that prayer and he transcends time and he transcends distance and regardless of the fact that they were on the other side of the world in a different time, Jesus' prayer was a prayer for you, and it was a prayer for me. I am so glad for that. He prayed that we would come to him, and he prayed that we would be one, that we would be together. Father, as we are one, may they be one. And how did he... How did he 
summarize his thoughts and bring them together. Brought together in complete unity. And I say that complete unity is step one to advancing his kingdom. It is step one to bringing others to the glorious gospel of eternal life. And if you're scratching your head about why I'm saying that, let me explain. Jesus prayed, I in them and you in me, Father, so that they may be brought together in complete unity. But he didn't stop there. He didn't. He kept on praying. And this is where I see that unity is primary. It's fundamental that it's the first. It's the first step in them. I in them and you in me so that they may be brought together in complete unity, then. There is a word that follows unity, and it's the word then. Then Jesus said something. Incomplete unity, then. Then what? Well, Jesus said it. Jesus declared it. It was part of his prayer that they may be brought together in complete unity, then the world will know, Father, that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. I have to stop and let that sink in. When I read something like that, wow, wow. It's saying something. Jesus is saying something here in his prayer. Then the world will know that the Father sent Jesus. When will the world know? When we are united. You ever wonder what might hinder the outpouring of the gospel and people pray for revival and, and they want you know, the Holy Spirit to move? Let's be one. Let us be one. Then the world will know. It's then that his kingdom can advance in the world. And it isn't, it, isn't that true about any organization? Isn't it true that organizations advance when they're united? You talk to any coach who has a winning team, and what will that coach relate to you? Likely he's going to say, My team is working together, my team is a unit. My team is, is united before they go into a contest. Any, any general leading an army knows that his soldiers, when they are united, can defeat an enemy two, three, four times the size. Because there's power in that unity. Jesus declared something in uh, Matthew chapter 12 and his words were very true when he was attacked as being uh, a messenger of Satan and he said, every kingdom divided against itself will be ruined. He said, Satan can't cast out Satan because it's a house against itself. Every kingdom divided itself, against itself will be ruined, and every city or household divided against itself will not stand. Division is discernible. It, it's noticeable. 
And you know what? Division is repulsive. Are you going to move to a city where there's disruption and there's clamor and there's fighting? Probably not. If you could avoid moving to a place where there's strife and there's discord, you'll probably say, I'll, I'll go someplace else. Are you going to join a team? A team where it's every player for themselves and there's no such thing as teamwork or cooperation? Of course not. Because division is repulsive. And if you see that, you're not going to go there. But on the other hand, unity is attractive. Collaboration, solidarity, cooperation, these are attractive traits, aren't they? When we see them in a group, it's a draw. It's not a push. And that is precisely what Jesus is declaring. It's, just, it's precisely what he's praying in his prayer. Father, I want my people so united that they're one, that they're singular, that they're in complete unity. Then the world will know. Boy, isn't that primary? Isn't it foundational? It's step one. Then the world will know that you loved me and that you sent me to them and that you love them. That's the attractive nature of the gospel. But the gospel's not going to be attractive if there's discord in the church, if there's divisions among ourselves, and overt divisions for sure. You know, if we're insulted by someone or we're bothered by someone in the church or we're offended by what's happening in the church, people see it. They'll catch on to that. You know, even subtle things, even little things that we might not even realize are bothering us can sometimes come to the surface and others can sense an issue. And they might wonder, how is that love? Well, thank you for sharing the gospel with me, but I don't know if uh, I can be a part of a church where there's discord. I'm not saying that you know, we have some major discord and division, but we need to be cautious. We need to be aware, and we need to take care of things as soon as they happen. We talk to someone. If we're bothered, if we're offended, if we deal with it, and we remain in that complete unity Ah, then Jesus says, then the world will see. Then the world will see. Be brought into complete unity. See, step one is important. It's important. Have you ever pur purchased furniture from Ikea? You know, you've got to assemble it. Comes in like a flat box. You see this beautiful dresser or, uh, you know, a, a, a bedroom set. Oh, it's beautiful. Yeah, I'll buy that. It comes in a box. Well, you have to build it. And you, you know, the first thing you do is pull out the instructions. And, it, you know, if you're like a lot of folks, you throw those instructions aside. Just take, get rid of those, right? And, you know, shake out the box and start assembling. The instructions are always very clear. You know, they got this little IKEA guy, and he's either got a smile or a frown. So he's smiling if you're doing the right thing, and he's frowning if you're doing the wrong thing. 
And they have the steps with big, bold numbers. So there's number one. It's big, it's bold, it's huge. And the top of the page. And typically, step one is identify and count your parts. You know, you shake them all out of the box, and there's dowels and screws and all these things. And you skip step one, and you jump right into assembly. If it's ever happened to you like it's happened to me, and you got glue on your fingers, and you're sticking these little dowels in holes, and there's four holes, but you only have three dowels. Now you're saying, I should have I should have done step one. I should have done it. And I could have avoided this sticky mess. Step one is there for a reason. It's there for a reason. It's important. If a team isn't performing well, the coach is probably going to say, we need to go back to the fundamentals. We need to go back to square one. We need to go back to the beginning. And for Jesus, for Jesus, the night that he was going to be arrested, the, the evening before he was going to be crucified, he lays out priority there. Unity. Unity. We can't skip step one. And as I said last week, it's, it's the vision for the church. And it might seem too simple. It might seem it's not exciting enough. Couldn't we have a cooler vision couldn't we have something more exciting? Yes, I suppose we could. But I would rather have the vision that Jesus shared. I would rather have the vision that Jesus gave to us. And I want that for all of us. You know, whether it's, whether it's reaching out to somebody on the phone, writing a letter, staying in contact here, coming together every Sunday, Wednesday, Thursday morning, Tuesday night or Thursday night for any activities that are going on. It's part of maintaining our unity. And others will see it. And the love that we share for one another because of Jesus is going to be attractive. Today we have an opportunity to show that unity. We have an opportunity, it's going to be out on our parking lots, and it's our trunk and treat. I don't know if you've never been to the trunk and treat. If you've never, I just want to say, come out today, even if it's just for a short period of time, and see what's happening. It's such a great opportunity because so many people from our community who have never stepped foot on our property come here to the church. And we can show them that we love one another. We can show them that we're united. We can show them that we have something to offer them in eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord, by handing out a piece of candy or being there over by an inflatable and watching a child have fun or by any of the other activities that the games or the uh, painting or crafts that they might be doing out there. It's a wonderful opportunity to show the community our unity. I love, I love it. I, the first time I went, I was overwhelmed by seeing how many people are here. Just, you know, for the simple 
a celebration of the harvest, a safe and simple way than to give a piece of candy to a child. I encourage you just to come out and even take, just, just stand off on the grass. If you don't have a car, you don't have to have a car to come. If you haven't registered, that's okay. Just show up and, and say hello to somebody. Be out there on the grass with the children. It's a wonderful time to show the community the church of Jesus Christ. I hope that you'll be there. I know you might have to bundle up. It's not winter yet. It's just fall. It's Michigan. There will be a day in the next coming months where you would be saying, boy, I wish it was 45 degrees. Boy, that would fear balmy. Okay, so just think about that. Consider it, you know, it's January and it's 15 below zero. How much you'd look forward to a swing of 50 to 60 degrees on up to 45. Put on your jacket, come on out, and enjoy the church. I want to close today and pray. And you know, I want to pray Jesus' prayer. He gave us this prayer of unity, and I think it would be nice if we prayed some of it. I want to just invite you to stand as we close. And you don't need to c- come up here, but I want to invite you to take the hand of someone next to you. And you know, if you're over here and you got to squish over here, and if you're over on this side and you got to kind of squeeze together, let's squeeze together. You can come across the aisles, come across the aisles, and, and let's be a picture of this complete unity that Jesus prayed for. Because I think it's important. I think it's uh, primary. Jesus prayed this prayer before he went to the cross. Let's do our best to live it. Let's do our best to be examples of it. Let's, do, let's just pray from our hearts that we would be a picture of what Jesus wants for us. Heavenly Father, thank you, God, for your church. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for Jesus and his heart for all of us. Lord, I know we have rough spots sometimes. I have rough spots that need to be smoothed by somebody else. It helps, God. It helps to bring us together. Lord, and I pray right now for all of us that have been working. We've worked this month on walls and things that might hinder us. And God, I just pray that you would continue to do that, that you would continue to mesh us together as your church. Heavenly Father, I pray that this church, this local community, this local body of Bethesda would be a picture of what Jesus prayed, God, that he and you and you and him would be us. Oh, God. Oh, God. Help us bind our hearts together. May we be brought together in complete unity so that the world will see that you sent Jesus Christ for us. Lord, I pray that right now for every single person in this church. God, by the sign of our hands joined together, Lord, may it be a picture of what we are 
as we leave here. May it be a picture of who we are to others outside this church. Lord, I pray that today, even today, as others come onto our grounds who are not ever been here before. May they feel the power and the presence of of the Holy Spirit and see your church united. See the love that you have placed in us because you gave your life for us. God, may others see that and be attracted to it and ask, why is that? How is that? How can I be a part of it? And Lord, open up opportunity for us to share Jesus. Lord, I pray that over all here. May we be brought together in complete unity. God, to bless your name, to glorify Jesus, to advance your kingdom. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. And Lord, uh, we just close today praying that prayer that you taught us, Jesus. You taught us how to pray, and let's pray it together. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who have trespassed against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. The Lord bless you today.